Welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast, the podcast focused on helping civil engineering professionals succeed by exposing them to interesting civil engineering projects and successful civil engineering professionals around the world. Hosts Anthony Fasano and Christian Knutson had successful but unconventional civil engineering careers and now focus on helping civil engineering professionals achieve their goals in work and life. Welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Fasano, and this is the show for civil engineers who want to really succeed in not just work, but work in life. And you'll see that in our episode today, because in today's episode, I interview Stu Wallace, who recently just came out with the book, Introduction to Creativity and Innovation for Engineers, which we're going to talk about for a few minutes, but we're primarily going to focus on goal setting. It's that time of the year where we do goal setting in the beginning of the year, and Stu broke it down into five points in the interview you're about to hear. And what I could say about this episode is it's really cool because we talk a lot about the left brain and how you use it as an engineer, but then we talk about where the right brain can be really important. And we tied that into the goal setting and Stu did a wonderful job of it. And he's got some very interesting advice, especially down towards the end of the show with the last elevator question. So you're going to really enjoy this episode. But before we dive into this one, I want to take a minute to recognize our sponsor for this show. And basically, Chris and I do a lot of work on the Engineering Career Coach producing content. And it's all free. I mean, it's all free for you. And the sponsor, PPI, who's been great, and I'll tell you about them in a minute, they've really helped us to be able to cover some of our production costs. We're so grateful for them. And we've also created a little bit of a campaign ourselves. If you go to engineeringcareercoach.com forward slash support, you can also make a small donation, a dollar a month or so, because we do want to get another team member on board and continue to be able to, to bring out this content for you. So please consider doing that. So let me just take a minute, though, to tell you a little bit about PPI. If you're thinking about taking the civil FE or PE exam, I recommend that you check out PPI. They are the leader in civil engineering exam prep. PPI is offering a special 20% discount to listeners of this podcast. Use the promo code CIVIL at PPItopass.com. Again, that's PPI, the number two, pass.com, and use promo code CIVIL for a 20% discount. And I'll tell you a little bit more about PPI at the end of the show. All right, now it's time to jump into the very interesting civil engineering conversation. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. All right, now it's time for this week's civil engineering conversation where we talk with a civil engineering professional who has had success in their field or striving towards a specific goal. And today's guest is Stuart G. Wallish. I'm excited to have Stu on the show. He's been on the Engineering Career Coach podcast before. And today we're going to get into goal setting a bit. Just to tell you a little bit about Stu, he writes, teaches, and provides advice about leadership, management, engineering, and education training. Uh, Prior to beginning his independent venture 15 years ago, he worked in the public, private, and academic sectors, serving as a project engineer and manager, department head, discipline manager, marketer, litigation investigator, professor, and engineering dean. As you can tell, he's got just a lot of backgrounds, which is why we love talking to Stu. His technical specialty is water resources engineering. He's also a writer, which doesn't always go along with being an engineer, which we know, but Stu has authored or co-authored six books, of which his most recent are Engineering Your Future, The Professional Practice of Engineering, which is published by Wiley in 2012, and the just-published textbook, Introduction to Creativity and Innovation for Engineers, which is Pearson Education in 2016, and I got a copy of it today, which I'm excited about. 
The book provides engineering students and practitioners with neuroscience-based knowledge and methods that enable them to be much more creative and innovative as individuals and team members. For over a decade, Stu's been active in the effort to reform the education and early experience of engineers and is a principal author of ASC's Civil Engineering Body of Knowledge 2008 and NSP's Engineering Body of Knowledge of 2013. Uh, Stu received the BS in civil engineering from Valparaiso University, his MSE from John Hopkins University, and a PhD in civil engineering from the University of Wisconsin. He's a licensed professional engineer in Indiana and Wisconsin. His engineering and education work have been recognized with many awards and other accolades. And Stu, welcome again to the podcast. Anthony, so nice to be part of your podcast series again. As I indicated a while back, I really welcome this opportunity to share some thoughts about goal setting for engineers. Absolutely. We're thrilled to have you here on the Civil Engineering Podcast. And the first, Stu, before we get into that, to goal setting, I'm holding your new book here, Introduction to Creativity and Innovation for Engineers. And it looks like a wonderful read. I did read a little bit of it this morning. You've got a lot of photos and images in here. Talk to us about this book. I know you did a lot of research on it. I know this idea of right brain is just very important for engineers. Let's talk about the book a little. Talk about the theory, the idea behind writing it and what you hope that it helps engineers to do. Actually, the idea to write the book occurred to me by accident. About eight years ago, I walked into my local community art center and on a whim signed up for a one-day pencil drawing course. And this would have absolutely nothing to do with my work. While I'm doing that, I come across a book titled A Drawing on the Right Side of Your Brain. Drawing on the Right Side of Your Brain. I read the book. It's a great book about drawing, but it has a second theme. And that theme is we need to do a better job on drawing on the right side, pulling on the right side of our brain to complement the left side of our brain, which gets the most attention. And then I started thinking that could help us in engineering. And then I started studying the topic and writing and speaking about it. And eventually the book idea became a goal about five years ago. And uh, that has now come to uh, fruition. The unique part of this book, uh, Anthony, is that it's based on neuroscience, not the kind of neuroscience we would need to practice brain surgery, But practical neuroscience, we've learned so much about that amazing three-pound magnificent (laughs) entity between our ears in the last decade or so, and so much of it is practical. And it goes beyond the left brain, right brain. It certainly includes that. But we also talk in that early chapter in the book about things like negativity bias and the dominance of habits and how we can change habits, the concept of neuroplasticity conscious and subconscious minds. My hope is that this book will enable engineers to envision doing things and then be able to do them that they would not have been able to do without this book. That's my hope. That's great, Stu. And I will say for those of you listening, I mentioned this to Stu earlier, that when you say textbook, this is not a 1,000 page hardcover book that you're going to stick on your shelf. This is a flexible book. It's got a lot of images in it, which is really, really important. I've talked to other people on our podcast about how people digest images today. And it looks like a book that's going to really be helpful to engineers. So Stu, congratulations on on writing this one. Thank you, Anthony. And you're right. It's a textbook. It's also a reference book for anyone 
who wants to learn more about their brain and how to make better use of it. All right. So what we're going to do now is, you know, this is the beginning of the year and this happens to be the time that civil engineers, all engineers, people in general look at their goals and want to get refocused both personally and professionally. And I know Stu has done a lot of work on goals. He's, he's had written articles on it, which is why I invited him to come on at this time of the year. And so what we're going to do here is we're going to walk through like five different points that every civil engineer should consider in setting clear, powerful goals. And first, Stu, before we jump into these five points, talk a little bit about what are some indications that you need to set or even rejuvenate your goals? I always suggest that people do what I call a resume test. Take a look at your resume and think of how it has evolved over, say, the the last five years. And can you draw the conclusion that you've had five years of experience, you know, significant experiences, or you've had one year five times? And if the latter, you really ought to be thinking about setting some goals. Another thought is, are you being passed over and it seems unfair at work? You work hard but you're getting passed over. Why is that? It could be because you're viewed as a person who does certain things real well, and they value that, but you don't appear flexible. And I once worked with a guy who prided himself in never or almost never making mistakes. And the way he achieved that, and he achieved it very well, is he never tried anything new. He just kept doing the same things over and over. Hmm. Another thought would be, are you bored? Are you lethargic? When you're carrying that briefcase, that computer, are you going to work or are you coming home from work? Is it just a humdrum? Those would be some thoughts, Anthony. That's excellent, Stuart. And I love that idea of are you doing the same thing five times? I mean, I see that that happens a lot. You know, We say we're going to make changes. We have to make sure that we kind of measure ourselves a bit and see if we really have made changes. So with that, let's jump in here. The first point that we're going to talk about is mindset. Stu, this is obviously a very important part of starting any kind of goal setting process. Talk a little bit about mindset. You know, there are are some of us who feel we're uh, in charge of our life and others at the other extreme who feel that life happens to us. I think that at the individual level and at the organizational level, and maybe this is oversimplification, we have only two uh, potential futures. One is the future we create for ourselves, individually and organizationally, and the other is the future that in the vacuum of us not doing anything, others create for us. And if we're going to be successful in goal setting, we need to have a mindset that says, I can create my own future. Can I create everything I want, anything I want? Probably not. But if I can focus on a few things and really work at it, I am confident that I can make those things happen. Now, if someone has that negative, I'm a victim mindset, I would respectfully suggest them to try to step back, maybe do some reading, maybe look at and talk with people who seem to enjoy success, Uh, do some reflection, maybe study the brain, as we talked about earlier. Do some things that will give you an opportunity 
to maybe change your mindset. Not easy. If you don't have a I can make things happen mindset, uh, this whole goal topic is useless. That's absolutely right, Stu. And I, and I love the kind of example or the word that you used there, which was victim. When I went to coaching school, we did a lot of work on this and they teach you a lot about how to move somebody out of the victim mentality. Because once you're in the mentality that I'm a victim, which would be, for example, saying something like, I'm stuck in this job. There's nothing I can do. I'm dealing with this project and I can't, there's nothing, I have no control over it. When you start to use phrases like that, then you're automatically giving up. You're giving yourself the kind of excuse of that you don't have the power, like, which is, you know, exactly what, what Stu's saying here. So you have to take control of that. I talked to an engineer recently who said something along the lines of, I'm stuck. I can't, I, my boss has control over my advancement. I can't really move up in this company. And my response was, you know, that's your first challenge. It's not your boss. It's overcoming the belief that he, in this case, has that power over you and you don't have the ability to change that. So this is a really critical first point, because like Stu said, if you can't get the right mindset, then setting your goals is really not going to matter because as soon as you run into a challenge with any one of your goals, you're just going to give up because you're going to be stuck in the victim mindset. And Anthony, this may sound a little arrogant, but we're talking here about engineers. And I've had opportunity to look at the profiles of engineers in government work, engineering businesses and academia. We are talking about a group that has above average intelligence and a great work ethic and a, a wonderful sense of decency. You put those things together with the right mindset, you can accomplish anything. Absolutely. I agree with that. Let's go to point number two here, Stu, which is the structure of a goal. I mean, engineers like things to be structured. Talk to us about how you, know, you can structure a goal to make it, you know, do it effectively. Yes. And in fact, here I'm going to mention something that's uh, been on my plate for a while, and it's also in your book, and that's to use the acronym SMART, S-M-A-R-T, when structuring a goal. That what the S stands for is specific. Now, for example, one of my goals now is to successfully, working with the publisher, market my book. And so I have set a a specific goal, marketing goal. The M means that whatever my goal is, it's measurable. Will I be able to measure, for example, the sales that I hope we accomplish? And the answer to that is yes. Uh, will we accomplish what I set out for, what we set out for? Well, I can't guarantee that, but we're certainly going to try. We'll be able to measure. Is it achievable? We've set the goal high, but we know it is achievable. It's within the realm of reality. Is it relevant? Well, sure, it's relevant because it has to do with sales of a book. But we may have somebody out there who, who listens to this uh, podcast later on, and they have this goal of providing some service within their engineering firm that is completely at odds with the culture of the firm, the values of the firm, and so on and so forth. That may not be a relevant goal. And finally, a goal uh, has to have a T or time element. We set something specific. Well, by when do we hope to achieve that? So I like the SMART acronym. I think it helps us cover all the bases. However, the goal itself 
can be a trap for we engineers because we tend to get too practical too quick. We think about the what, the what being what is it we want to accomplish, but then immediately we get into the trap of saying, wait a minute, how would we ever do that? And if we let the how take control, then we will tend to shoot too low. We must separate the what from the how. I came across a quote from Michelangelo. He said this, the greatest danger for most of us is not that our aim is too high and we miss it, but that our aim is too low and we reach it. Wouldn't that be a waste of a life to do that? Absolutely. Great point. And that is a great quote. And I obviously love SMARTGOALS. Like you said, it was in my book. I think it's a huge thing. And I'm just going to give everyone an example out there when Stu says like not achievable because, you know, he just used that quote by Michelangelo. So we're saying like shoot for the stars. But when you say unachievable, if you say something like all of a sudden you decide, you know, you want to take the PE exam and it happens to be like in a couple of weeks, that's not a realistic goal to say that I'm going to try to study in like 14 days and pass like a PE exam. Something like that where you're trying, where you're trying to do something that's like, maybe burn you out or maybe is not necessarily realistic. So I don't want you to think when we say not achievable, we don't want you to shoot for the stars because we do, but you also want to be smart about the goals and make sure that you're not going to burn yourself out or set too many goals or set too many unrealistic expectations because believe me, I've done that myself. That's what forced me to want to study about goals and write about them for engineers because I know if you're an aggressive person, you can follow too many different paths at the same time. So I just, I wanted to kind of throw that in there in that part. Next point that we have here, point number three is, and engineers can be good at planning. You want to put together a plan for achieving your goal. So Stu, talk a little bit about how we can begin to develop a plan to achieve our goals that we set. I would draw here uh, what I've learned about the human brain in the last eight years. I've learned that we have a conscious mind and we have a subconscious mind. The conscious mind is that entity that's thinking and we know it, like we're all doing right now. The subconscious mind is that entity that's thinking, but we don't know what it's thinking. All of us have subconscious minds that are operating right now. They go 24-7. The interesting thing about the interaction is that most of our thinking is done subconsciously. That's kind of scary. On the other hand, if our conscious mind sets some theme, some topic, some pattern, our subconscious mind will pick up on it and work on it. Okay, how would we use that to uh, begin to develop a plan? One of the tools that I use often is called mind mapping. In fact, I've got a mind map on a wall right in front of me now. And the idea here is to consciously take a piece of paper and in the center of it, write something that you'd like to have happen. For example, I'd like to give a presentation on my geotechnical work at a national conference within two years. Write that down. And then for the next 15 minutes, just add to that piece of paper with arrows off of that idea, whatever pops into your mind. Do that for about 15 minutes. Put it away. What you've just set up is an interaction between your conscious and your subconscious mind. If you tomorrow pick up that sheet of paper and look at it again, guess what's going to happen? A whole bunch of new ideas. Because hmm. your subconscious mind has been working on it for the last 24 hours. This mind map will, in effect, become the source of ideas for your plan 
to implement that goal. That's my thought. I use it often. I've done it individually and I've done it facilitating it with groups. It always generates a tremendous amount of ideas. And think about it. It takes absolutely no preparation. It works best, frankly, with a very diverse group, but it always generates ideas. That's really interesting. And I'm all for, you know, mind maps and brainstorming. I think that, you know, that is a great way to get all your ideas on a piece of paper. And I think really, Stu, what what we've kind of learned, I mean, when you came on the Engineering Career Coach podcast, it's been probably a few years now, you were working on the book, Creativity and Innovation. And you could hear just from like the way you're talking and the way you're answering these questions that in the eight years of you studying the, the brain and the neuroscience, how important that is, obviously, to everything that we're doing. And you know, people don't realize how powerful the brain is. A lot of people don't really tap into there. So I think it's just really interesting that we're talking about goal setting. But when you bring in the neuroscience aspect of it, I hope that the listeners are really understanding that if you can tap into your brain power, because we don't tap into it. I mean, we, we don't use both sides of the brain as much as we should. It's just a really powerful layer on top of this whole idea that we're talking about with goal setting. So I just wanted to mention that. Next point, number four here, is visualizing your plan. So we've got this plan now. Stu gave you some ideas here for brainstorming your plan. Stu, how can we kind of visualize or display this process that we intend to use to achieve our goal? We engineers are always working on projects. We're very project-oriented individuals. And I suspect many of us feel that the best way to um, visualize and explain how we're going to carry out this project is to use a network diagram or a flow chart. And so I would offer that as one way to visualize how we're going to achieve our goal. i give you an example. As you mentioned, I have worked on ASCE's what we call raise the bar with effort, which among other things produced the uh, document, the engineering, civil engineering body of knowledge. The goal for that project is to change the licensing laws in the 50 states, the District of Columbia, and four territories. Back in, it was about 2002, three of us got together in a hotel room and we said, all right, that's where we want to end up. How are we going to get there? And so we created a flowchart. That flowchart is still used today. One of the reasons it's still used today is we haven't achieved that goal yet, but we have achieved many of the steps in that flow chart or network diagram, and it's in front of us all the time. Hmm. And we get back to you know the, the, the visual aspects. Once you have a goal, try to present it in some sort of visual way and have it in front of you and or look at it frequently and start to check off those steps, those tasks, those activities that are marching you towards achieving that goal. And one of the reasons, of course, we do that in our engineering work is we know we can't do everything at once. We want to finish this little part here, go to that part next. You know, what did somebody said, you know, how do you eat an elephant? Well, only <laughs> one bite at a time. This is also another really good point for engineers because we like to think analytically, of course, which is what Stu is helping us to work on with, with the new book. But because we like to think analytically and we tend to be successful in that way, 
if you can put structure like that into your goal setting, it can be helpful. So what we've heard Stu talk about is using your right brain, of course, in doing these ideas about brainstorming and coming up with a plan and structuring your goals, and then using a flow chart once you have your goals to kind of visualize the plan and follow along with it, which I think is a good balance because at the end of the day, there's nothing more that I love than having a list of tasks in front of me and being able to check them off as I go down it. So being able to do that with my goals is also helpful for me because instead of just seeing one big goal, I'm seeing a plan, I'm seeing it broken down in different steps. And it's, it, I don't know, it's just to me, it, it doesn't feel maybe as overwhelming as a goal might feel because I feel like it's broken down and it's easy to attack. So I like that, Anthony. The setting of the goal uh, has a heavy influence by the right side of our brain and by our subconscious mind. That's where we get a lot of the resources, a lot of the ideas. But then implementing the goal, getting to the goal is going to have, of course, use both sides of the brain. But now we're going to rely more on the left side. I I like that way of, of describing that process. Yeah, definitely. It's a whole brain process. So let's close up on the goal setting point with this last point, number five, which is Of course, whenever you set out on a path to do anything, including starting to achieve your goals, there's going to be obstacles on the path that you're going to run into. So let's talk about that, Stu. What are some of the obstacles that we might encounter? Now we're looking at our flow chart and we're starting to pursue it. One I already mentioned, I want to reiterate it, that is biting off too much too quick. We need to break that goal into small parts and take them on one at a time. A second obstacle is we need to be careful who we spend our time with, who we associate with. I like to put it this way. It's a little bit crude. But if you want to fly with eagles, don't try to get your wings from turkeys. <laughs> it's that simple. The people that, we, that surround us have a tremendous impact on us. And this is especially true early in our career. When I used to teach at the university, I had seniors in one of my classes And they'd come back from interviews during their senior year, and I'd say, well, how did it go? And they'd talk about the city they'd work in. They'd talk about the projects they'd work on. They'd talk about the money they were going to make. But they never talked about the person who was going to be their immediate supervisor. That person can have such a dramatic impact on you, especially if you have high uh, aspirations. Another obstacle for we engineers is what's sometimes called analysis paralysis. You know, we set that goal and then we develop those actions and then we refine it and then we retool it and then we rethink it. And now it's been on our desk for two months and we haven't done a darn thing yet to get going. So there's a point at which we stop setting up the goal and how we're going to achieve it and we start the process of achieving it. Don't let the tail wagged the dog. Those are some thoughts. Excellent. So let me just recap those points and we're going to just jump into a few final questions that I have for Stu, more general. So we talked about your mindset, which is absolutely critical. You can't be in that victim state. And if you are, you've got to get yourself out of it. You've got to understand that you do control your own destiny. Point number two, the structure of your goal. You got to think about the idea of the SMART acronym, which can be very, very helpful for you as you're trying to plan your goals, making them specific, measurable. Point number three, your plan for achieving the goal. That was another big one. The setting of the goal is that right brain process. 
then you're going to transition to point number four, where you've got the goals now and you're visualizing your plan, you're putting it together. This is where you might want to use a flow chart or something linear to give you a good idea of the steps you're going to walk through. And then finally, we talked about some of the obstacles that you might encounter. And I think the big one, the big challenge is definitely chewing off uh, too much too quickly. All right, Stu. So let me ask you a couple other questions here, different topics, but how would you say that you judge your career, your life? I guess we could tie it back into the goals a little bit. How do you judge yourself on some of the goals that you have for yourself? I started perhaps 20 years ago to think in terms of two words, and I don't recall where the basic idea came from, but the two words are success and significance. I, like I think most of us, want some success and some significance. By success, what I mean is, oh, the money I make, the house I live in, the car I drive, uh, the extent to which I have the material means to take care of my family, practical things like that. By significance, I mean the uh, impact that I have in a positive way on others. There's a project in my uh, hometown that I worked on many, many years ago. And I can tell you, there'd be about three people in the whole city that remembers I had anything to do with it. But I get to drive by it quite a bit. And I just have a great feeling seeing that project being used every day. Was there some success for me in that project? Well, sure. I was making some money at the time working for an engineering firm when we planned and designed it. But the big thing for me is the significance, the idea, the satisfaction of seeing people use that. So I judge me and if others want advice, others on their balance between success and significance. And I think you and I know and your your audience will know that there are some people out there who would be sort of 95% success and 5% significance. That's fine. They could do what they wish. I'd probably be more away on the other end of the uh, of the spectrum. But we should decide where our values are because that's going to determine uh, where our goals will be. Absolutely. And what are your thoughts on sharing your goals, Stu? Are you more for keeping them to yourself? Are you more for sharing them with people? What are your thoughts on that? Two words, selective sharing. There was one time in my career when I wanted to be the manager of one of our firm's offices, and I was uh, I had the goal. I had a lot, of, a lot of ideas, but I wasn't selected. And then to make matters worse, I found out later I wasn't even considered. One of the reasons I didn't share that goal selectively. I'm not saying we should set up a uh, mass email blast and send it out to the whole world. But we should tell selective people we trust and who we think have some interest in helping us what our goals are. Definitely. Great. Let me ask you this question, which is kind of an interesting question. Who benefits when someone in an organization sets a personal goal and achieves them? Well, certainly the goal setter. We've talked about that at length. Also, people who interact with the goal setter will benefit assuming the goals are, of course, consistent with helping the organization. We've talked about that. They'll also benefit in the sense that they will observe or experience the power of goals. Some of those people might be the ones we talked about when we started today, Anthony, those people who feel they're sort of victims or pawns. It just might occur to them that this 
person that they're working with or for doesn't view that life that way and seems to accomplish a lot of good for him or her and everyone else. And of course, then the organization will benefit because someone or someones in the organization are goal-oriented and tend to achieve those goals, again, assuming they're consistent with what the organization wishes to accomplish. So the shorter answer is everybody benefits. Yeah, I agree. And I think the companies, too, that take that approach are the companies that really, I don't know how you describe win, but I would say like win. Like In other words, like if a company is really promoting a staff or an engineer to set goals and they're really supportive of them, the engineer is going to want to reach those goals. Like you said, both people are going to benefit. And it's just a really good culture to promote. So whether you're a, a might be a civil engineering manager or an executive or recent graduate, I think it's always important to understand that everyone there is like on the same team. And if you have the ability to help the people that are working for you to set goals and achieve them, it's always going to help like you and the company overall. And I think that when I was like managing an engineering team, I tried to keep my main goal as like my goal is for the team members to be able to succeed on the project. Because if you do that, I think everybody kind of wins. So that's just, I guess, one way that we can close out on the goal setting. You have any last comments on goal setting, Stu? Yeah, I thought you might ask me that. I came across a thought a while back, and I don't remember the source. The person said uh, something like this, that when we get to the end of our life, we're going to have two kinds of regrets. It's inevitable. We're going to regret the things we did, but didn't work out. And we're going to regret the things we always wanted to do, but never got into, never started. And then the clincher is, that person says, those second regrets are going to weigh a thousand times more than those first regrets. Hmm. And the way to avoid those second regrets is to be a goal-oriented person. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. Stu, are there any specific rituals that you tend to practice every day? For example, do you have a specific morning ritual or something you do at lunch or things that you do consistently on a daily basis that have contributed to everything you've been able to achieve? Yes, I keep a uh, spreadsheet. It's about two pages of eight and a half by 11 when I print it out that includes my goals and actions needed to move forward and my projects and actions needed to uh, move uh, forward, I try to look at that every day, and I try to make sure that I advance my projects and that in some, at least small way, I advance my goals. That's really interesting. It's funny because an engineer with a spreadsheet is anything but uncommon, but an engineer with a spreadsheet with his or her goals on it and the action steps is definitely something that is you don't hear a lot about. That's a good one. That's a really, really interesting one. Next one, Stu, what is one book that you recommend to engineers regularly or just one book that you have found to be extremely helpful in your professional and or personal development? Many books. One that comes to mind is a book by uh, James Allen, and I'm almost embarrassed to say this because he wrote this book in 1903, still available, by the way. And it's titled, As a Man Thinketh. In fact, you can tell by the title that it must have been written a long time ago because he could have titled it, As a Person Thinketh. The theme of this book is 
and this was before we got into neuroscience, that things will work out in general in the way you believe they will work out. This is this sort of conscious, subconscious mind. Then I'm going to mention one other book. This one published much later, 1960, by Napoleon Hill titled Think and Grow Rich, which picks up on Alan's theme. Napoleon Hill studied hundreds of people who had achieved success and significance with the idea of finding what common element would there be among them. And he concluded they all had goals and they all had plans to achieve them. Now, isn't that great? So simple, but of course, so hard to do. So I'd recommend those two books, neither of which has anything specific to do with engineering, by the way. Well, I have to say that, you know, we've asked many people that question. I don't think we've gotten a book from 1903. So that's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that is interesting, but that that's definitely, it sounds like a really, really good read. So I've got one final question for you, Stu, which we call the civil engineering career elevator advice question. If you got into an elevator with a civil engineer and had about 30 to 40 seconds with him or her and had to give him or her career advice in that short period of time, what would it be? Before you start the clock, Anthony, because I've shared what I'm going to share now with many people, you may have heard this before. So okay. <laughs> if you have, I, I apologize, but I think your listeners might value it. I would mention the four C's. The first one would be competence. Learn how to do something that has value in the marketplace because that'll be the source of your income. The second one is communication. Learn how to listen, write, speak, and use visuals. The third one would be creativity. Sure, always try to do things better than you've been doing them, but also have in your mind that you're going to do something that is very different very new, very creative, very innovative. And the last C is conscience. Do what's right. Hmm, that's great. I hope that that engineer took out their iPhone and recorded that when you told it to them in the elevator, because that's, uh, that's really golden advice. And those are all important aspects of building a successful, not just a civil engineering career, but I think uh, any career in, in any life. So that's wonderful. Stu, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Tell the listeners about where they can find you or your books. Is it your website or what's the best way to do that? Sure. Simply go to my uh, website, which is www.helpingyouengineeryourfuture. Thank you so much, Stu. Please remember that you can find the show notes for the episode at civilengineeringpodcast.com. And you can look for the episode number 23, and you'll have a little bit of a summary of everything that Stu and I talked about, including the five points that Stu mentioned for goal setting. And with that, I'd like to take a minute as we round out the show here to recognize our sponsor for today's podcast episode. Engineers often ask me what exam prep materials or review courses they should use when preparing for the FE or PE exam. Hands down, I recommend PPI. I personally used PPI's materials to pass my exams, and I recently had the chance to demo their civil FE and PE review courses. It's why I feel really confident recommending PPI for those of you planning to take the next step in your career. PPI is offering a special 20% discount to listeners of this podcast. Use promo code CIVIL at ppitopass.com. Again, that's PPI, the number two, pass.com, and use promo code CIVIL for a 20% discount. And please support PPI. They are helping us to put on the show for you and be able to not charge you for the show. 
if you have an exam, if you have to study for it, if you're looking into materials, go to that PPI to pass.com and use that code civil and take advantage of it. Until next week, I wish you the best in all of your civil engineering endeavors. Thank you for listening to the Civil Engineering Podcast. Be sure to visit civilengineeringpodcast.com, where you can listen to past episodes and also submit your project to be featured on the show. We also invite you to visit our main website at engineeringcareercoach.com and download a free three-part video series created specifically for engineers to help you best utilize LinkedIn for networking, improve your communication and speaking skills, and also help to develop your leadership abilities. Now is the time to engineer your own success.